Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. So there's a story, it is a tale. I don't know if it's true or not, maybe it is, about Abraham Lincoln. And before he felt that he was able to make a real difference in slavery, he saved up enough money to go down to where they were selling slaves and bid and was able to purchase a young girl who was in slavery. And as they walked away from the scene, he pulled her aside and said, young woman, you are free. And she's like, what does that mean? And so she's just, she's not really sure what to make of this. She's, she's never experienced freedom. And she said, well, um, does that mean I can, uh, I can say whatever I want to say? Yes. You can say whatever you want to say. Um, can I, uh, can I be whoever I want to be? Yeah, dear. You can be whoever you want to be. Um, can I go wherever I want to go? Yeah, you can. And tears streaming down her eyes. She looked up at him and said, can I go with you? That is the God we serve. Do we actually wrap our minds around what we have been saved from? There's some people in here with amazing testimonies and they have tasted the worst that the world has to offer. And maybe in the world's eyes, maybe the best that the world has to offer. Do we remember who God is and what he has taken us from and what our freedom means? I hope that tonight that will be refreshed in your memory. We're going to look at the story of Jesus is what we're going through. We're looking at the life of who God's son on earth was. And we've been building up to today. Up until now, it's been the intro of Jesus. We looked at his birth. We looked at who he was as a young man growing up. We looked at his baptism under John the Baptist. And then finally, last week, we talked about Jesus in the desert. All of these things were leading up to a turning point that would be the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And tonight, we're going to open the book on how Jesus presented publicly the kingdom of heaven. And it all starts in his hometown. And so that's where we're going to begin. So if you all would look up at the amazing screen. Luke 4, we're going to start in 14. Jesus is in his hometown. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. He's coming out of the desert. Remember the fasting and the desert time and the temptations we talked about last week? Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. The news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And then our author zooms in to one specific instance. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up as... And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed a book by the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Pause. First of all, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, you remember that at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit came on. Remember that? Big voice. Behold, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Boom. Spirit comes on him, right? And that same Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness. We talked about last week 
where he would be tempted. And then the very first verse we started reading tonight says, and then the spirit brought him back to Galilee. He's being led by the spirit. And so he opens up this book that was, I don't know, 400 years old. And he starts reading. And the very first line is, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It starts getting personal. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery to the sight of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Let's keep going and I'll tear it up. Then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. In those times, when someone was going to preach, they would sit down. They would... Do this, and they'd preach from here. I can't do that. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him and began to say to them, this is kind of a big deal. Jesus is reading from scriptures from Isaiah that have been around a long time, and they had their own interpretations about him. They knew that this passage was about a Messiah that God would send someday. And Jesus says this, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. You understand the thud that hit their hearts when he said that? Like, who is this guy? Who does he think he is? That he would think that these scriptures are about personally him. So all who bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? Like, kid, you're from our town. We know you're dead. And he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Does that echo something? Remember, fast forward, Jesus is on the cross. Hey, if you can save others, save yourself. Get off the cross. Jesus is prophesying right now. He said, assuredly, I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land, but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow, and many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. <clears throat> so all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were filled with wrath. I'll pause there for a second. You see, what Jesus said, he took a dagger and he went, <clears throat> remember I said that Jesus and Luke is confrontational? Like, here he is. He is putting on the boxing gloves and intentionally antagonizing the people that are listening. Because he's saying, one, these scripture, they're about me. And the second thing, when everybody's all like, man, who does this guy think he is? Jesus goes so far to say, you know what? When God has visited Israel before, none of you guys would listen. And so he went to people outside of Israel. He went to Gentiles. He went to the sinners. He went to the widows. All you guys that think you have it together, the last time he visited, he didn't come visit people like you. He went and visited the outcasts and the outsiders, and it ticked them off. So they were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him up to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Y'all, these people were ticked. They were about to kill Jesus by chunking him off a, a hill. That is crazy. These people were so upset. Leave the words up there. So this is kind of how I see it in my mind. Personally, I think Jesus knew Kung Fu. I mean, think about it this way. So, so they throw him, they're dragging him up the hill and about to throw him off. And then he's all like, boom, Badoosh. gentlemen, you trying to throw me off over there? I'm going that way. 
Does anybody have a problem with this? And now let's go back to 30. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. Kidding aside, these people were so angry. But Jesus said something that was so profound that I don't want to skim over it. You go back to the, the slide of that Isaiah scripture for me. This is what the anointed one has come to do. Jesus says, this is about me. This is my ministry. This is where it all begins. This is the direction that I'm going to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery to the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I want to stay there for just a minute. The acceptable year of the Lord. That's subtle and it's undercover, but I, I want you to know what this is because they were writing about something that every Jew knew about and it was called the year of Jubilee. Jesus is saying, I've been called to do these things. Now, when I want to unpack what the year of Jubilee is and you're going to be like, oh, that's so cool. So if you were to flip back in the Old Testament, back to Leviticus 25, hold that in your mind for a second. Let's flip all the way back to creation. You remember how God worked on the world for six days, created everything there was, and then on the seventh day he rested? Like, not like this, yes. Y'all remember that? And we don't know if it was seven, you know, six eons or 600 years or six literal 24-hour days. I don't know. It doesn't matter. He created for six days, and on the seventh, he rested. And then you fast forward again, and you see when Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt. I know I keep referencing that week after week. This is crucial stuff to understanding who Jesus is. And they got out in the wilderness, and what was the first thing he said? Moses, we have no bread. We're hungry. Talked about this last week. And God did a miracle. He started sending bread from heaven. It was called manna, which means what is it? And it would come out in the morning and there would be crusty bread stuff on the ground. And they said it tasted like flour and honey all over the ground, that God would send bread. And God said this, Moses, I want you to tell the people that six days a week when they go out, this stuff is going to be all over the ground and they need to collect it and eat it. And on the sixth day, I'm going to have a double portion out there and I want them to collect twice as much because on the seventh day, I want them to rest. And you know, on some days people would go out, maybe it was on the fourth or fifth day or whatever, and they'd try to collect twice as much to collect for the following day. And the next morning when they would open it up, it would be rotted and moldy. But on the sixth day when they collected the double portion and they were obedient, on the seventh day they would open it and it would still be fresh. Because God was teaching them trust. He was teaching them to lean on him, to believe what he says is true. And so year after year for 40 years, God kept his promise that for six days they would have bread. The sixth day he would double it. And on the seventh they would rest. Now, the day would come that they would finally get off their 40-year hike. They would move into the land of Canaan. They would take it for the Lord. Yeah, become a nation. And God gave them some new principles. And in Leviticus 25, he says this, and this is crazy. This is economics on steroids. God says, I want you guys to work hard for six years, plant your crops, your vineyards, the works, six years. But on the seventh year, I want you to take a year off of work, a year vacation. Let the land rest. 
Let your vineyards rest. You rest. Like, that's crazy. We're just talking about take a year off. Like, we can't even imagine that in our minds. Just take a year off work. Like, that's incredible. And God says this, look, don't go out there and try to gather the stuff that grows by itself. Be obedient and rest for a year. They didn't even know this, but on a scientific level, giving the ground this opportunity to rest would make it more fruitful when they finally came back to plant it. They didn't know that stuff then. But God was giving them instructions to have a full and abundant life. Take a year off. And you know what else God said? He said, you know what? In that sixth year, because right, remember we're talking about crops. It takes a year to plant. You have to wait for it to grow, and then you finally harvest it. So God said, in the sixth year, I'm going to give you three times as much. So that on year seven, you can rest, and you'll still have food left over. On year eight, whenever you're planting and you're not growing anything, you'll still have food left over. And on the third year, the next one, you'll still have food left over as you start going out and reaping. That's the God we serve. Now, get this. It gets even crazier. Economics on steroids this is wild stuff. God said, okay, every seven, because he calls them Sabbaths, every seventh year they're supposed to rest. Now, seven of those is in 49 years. Every 49 years, you're going to take a year. Not only are you going to rest, but get this. If you bought or sold land, all land is going to go back to its initial owners. Oof, becomes your land again. Any debts, everyone who has debt across the whole country, your debts are ended. Your debts are released. No more debt. And any slaves living in anybody's house are set free immediately. And it's called the year of Jubilee, the year of freedom, the year of celebration, the year of the trumpet. And they would blow it all over the nation. And slaves were set free. Debts were canceled. Land went back to the original owners. And it was God hitting the, the reboot button on the nation. And they would take that year off as a year of rest, celebration, and freedom. Every 50th year, they would do this, the year of Jubilee. So I want you to catch that when Isaiah is saying stuff like, the Holy Spirit is going to be on the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come and do these things. He's going to heal the brokenhearted, and he's going to open the eyes of the blind, which oh, Jesus is the only person in the Bible that actually did that. And he's going to come and proclaim the year of Jubilee. That Jesus is taking a physical thing that they understood and he's elevating it to a spiritual level. It's amazing. Jesus proclaims in himself, today, this is fulfilled in your presence. Jesus himself, God in flesh, declares a jubilee opportunity. And that jubilee opportunity, let's read them again. It's just so good. Throw them up there. Jesus would come and he would preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. Y'all, he would heal the brokenhearted. He would proclaim the good news to the captives. He would give sight to the blind. He would set free the oppressed. And he would proclaim the year. I think that actually says of Yahweh. I remember in the Goonies, I love it, like the big speech at the end. This is our time. This is our place. Y'all remember that? Please tell me you've seen the Goonies. You need to go home tonight and watch the Goonies. It's our time. It's our place. Yes. Yeah, we're bros. Y'all, God in flesh is speaking here, and he says, I have come to proclaim 
the year of Yahweh. And in this year, people are going home. Slaves are set free. Slaves of the heart, y'all. Jesus is escalating this to a spiritual level. He's talking about how good news is being preached. You know what? There's good news to the soul because before we give our hearts to Jesus, we are enemies incurring the wrath of God because what is holy cannot be with what is sinful. And so we are on God's stiff arm list. And Jesus comes with his love and makes a peace there and makes a relationship so that his holiness will be laid over us and we can have a relationship with the God who is holy. There is peace. That is good news proclaimed. We are slaves to sin. Y'all, we are born sinners. And Jesus sets us free. He came to proclaim the year of Yahweh. Y'all, we often forget what we're set free from. The Israelites out there wandering around getting free bread. So many times they go to Moses and say, Moses, man, things are hard. Can we just go back to Egypt? It was like they forgot. They forgot that Pharaoh threw their children to the alligators in the Nile. They forgot that Pharaoh would whip them like crazy and force them to make bricks without straw. They forgot that year after year after year, they were oppressed and brutalized and beaten. And they forgot that. And once they got out in the wilderness and things got a little sticky, they'd say, we just want to go back. Friends, elevate. We've got to remember where we came from. We've got to remember who Jesus calls us. We need to remember on a regular basis that we've been set free from sin. This A21 video strikes a chord in me and it reminds me of a story. I was involved in a program very similar in Oklahoma. And they went in and they rescued this girl and she was locked in a room in the back of a trailer. And when they went in, all they found was this girl on a bed and next to the bed was a nightstand with a teddy bear and a roll of paper towel so she could clean up between visitors. That is horrible and it's awful. And I can't believe that the human condition would be so miserable that that is acceptable in somebody's heart. So much so that it keeps people in business. But I think it's a beautiful picture of where every one of us came from. Because we think that if we don't have any big sins, we're not that bad. But the fact is, every one of us are just as abhorrently a slave to sin as she was in that situation. Every one of us are horribly and disgustingly separated from God. We're, there's, there's no difference between a lie and murder in God's eyes. One way or the other, we vomited on the wedding dress of, oh, that's another analogy that's way out of there. Guys, when we were set free, we were set free from an abhorrent picture like that. That was us. We were a slave to sin. We were blind and thought this was normal. You know what's so sad is we get so blind to our own sin and we're in a society that's so blind that they think that not only is it normal, but they brag about how much sin they have. Not even realizing that that is such a disgusting bragging right. And someone just like 
that this team went in and rescued this girl out. Jesus came to proclaim the good news and to save us. And he went out of his way to find people bound in bondage and got them out of the back of a dirty trailer and opened their eyes to see that when they're looking around, that reality is that they're separate and they need a savior. That awful position separated from God, needing a savior, an absolute slave to sin. We are poor. We are brokenhearted. We are captive, blind, and oppressed. But God declared a year jubilee in our lives. Maybe there's someone in here that God hasn't declared jubilee in your life because you haven't surrendered yet. Maybe you've been blind to the sin that you've been in. And you're going, okay, what does it take? Okay, I got you, Dom. Show me. How do I accept Jesus? How do I accept that kind of freedom? It's through the name of Jesus. The name above every name. The name Jesus means Yahweh saves. That is the God that we serve. It all begins with Jesus. We surrender our lives to him and go, this is me. Take the chains off.